And what a blessing it is to have our mothers with us. I want to wish you a very happy Mother's Day today. God bless you. Thank you for being here and having your children in church. Great to see the church full this morning. You don't know what a, a hard task it was during the COVID days to preach to a cell phone. <laughs> that was difficult. And so it's so good. For me. It's a joy to my heart to see the church full. Thank you for being here. We're, as we celebrate Mother's Day, I was thinking about the little boy. The preacher asked him, and he said, uh, now how many wives are you supposed to have? And the little boy said, 16. He said, well, you didn't listen to the message very well, did you? He said, well, I did. But he said the other day at the wedding, you said there would be four richer, four poorer, four better, four worse. <laughs> I want, now, if you can't stand, what I'm going to do is read a, a chapter. We're going to read a chapter of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. And to Ruth chapter number 1, we're going to read the whole chapter, something I normally don't do. But there's so much here that I want to glean out, and I think we would be way ahead if we could read the first chapter together. While you're finding your place in Ruth, chapter 1, Ruth is right after the Judges. You'll come to the first part of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then you'll find Judges and Ruth, because Ruth is set there because Ruth was uh, born during the time of the judges. And that's why it's set there in chronological order. And so I want to say while you find your place in Ruth chapter 1, that praise God for what he did during our revival. We had one saved. Isn't that wonderful? On Wednesday night, we had a young mother to get saved, trust Christ. And what a blessing. God had been dealing with her for many, many weeks. And so thank God for that. And we've seen three people saved in the last month. Isn't that great? And what a blessing. And uh, so we, I've counseled with many folk during that revival time, so thank God for what he did. Let's read together now the book of Ruth, chapter number one. This will take three and a half minutes. I want you to put your thinking cap on with me. Here we go. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years." And Malon and Chilion died, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah." And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you, if you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? 
Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, and go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughter, but it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord had gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back into her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part between thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they too went into, until they came into Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were coming to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, but call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her to the country, returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Let's pray. Father, take your message. And Lord, I pray that you change us today. Not only change our mothers today as we study about these three precious women, but I pray that you change our men, change our hearts. Let us leave more like Christ than we came. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We have in this first chapter been presented with some, a bad said, I counted six tragedies that happened in Ruth chapter 1. Six tragedies. And we have three different women in this chapter who are going to have three different attitudes. They're all in the same circumstances, are they not? They're all facing dearth. They're all facing death. They're all facing discouragement. They're all facing disappointment. And yet all three of these women have different responses. Only one of these women is going to have the correct response. She is going to have a correct response, a conscientious attitude. She's going to have clear wisdom to see beyond her current plight. Can I say something about us as Americans all together, both male and female, is that most people I meet cannot see past dinner time today. They cannot see past supper time tonight. They do not look to tomorrow. They live for today and let the devil take tomorrow. And this young woman named Ruth had enough eyesight and foresight and wisdom to look to the future. Let's look at three at all, all, all the circumstances that these three women are facing. First of all, there is a famine. There is a dearth in the land of Israel. And can I say something right off the bat? Food insecurities make for bitter times. 
And we're looking, if you're with us on Wednesday night, we've been looking at how the world is not going to be able to be fed in 2022. The White House has addressed it. Many people are addressing it. What happens when food insecurities happen? There is chaos in society. And I don't know if you know it or not, but I need to move on from this. But 18 food processing plants in America have either burned to the ground or mysteriously caught on fire. I do not know what is going on there. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't wear a tinfoil hat, but that's more than coincidence. I'm afraid, dear friend, that this country is in trouble. And so we've seen on Wednesday nights how there's, there's not going to be enough food because of fertilizer and fuel and, and the fighting there in Ukraine. And famine cre- does create a lack uh, of, of jail or congealing in society. Nothing has changed since the book of Ruth was written. Naomi and Elimelech faced some bitter circumstances. There was a lack of food. There was a lack of necessity. And they're forced to make a hard decision. And that decision was to leave the nation of Israel and go down into Moab. Israel is a type of the promised land, a type of the blessings of God. Let me tell you something right off the bat. It's never a good decision to leave the promised land. It's never a good decision to leave the will of God. It's never a good decision to be in a place of blessing. You say, well, if Israel was a place of blessing and it was supposed to be the land that flowed with milk and honey, why was there a dearth? Why was there a famine? The answer is easy. It's a three-letter word called S-I-N. God had told the Israelites, if you'll serve me, if you'll love me, if you'll follow my word, if you'll do that what is right, I will pour out my blessings upon you. But those blessings were conditional blessings. If you've refused to serve me, if you go your own way, if you're disobedient, there will come canker worms and palmer worms and dearth will follow and famine will follow. And so in the time of the judges in Israel, there was poor leadership. In the time of the judges, the nation was sinning and the devil was winning. In the time of the judges, there was, it was tough in society, plus the necessities that, had been, that they were facing. So we read in this narrative that things were not good in the nation of Israel. But Elimelech and Naomi make a decision to move to Moab. Moab is never a good place to go. The people of Moab. If you know your Bible, the people of Moab were descendants of Lot. If you remember in the Bible in the Genesis, Lot got drunk when Sodom was destroyed. Lot had an incestual relationship with both of his daughters. They both had sons, and one of them's name was Moab. And the name Moab was even named, his name meant Son of my father. I can't think of any more sinful, sickening situation in my life. And yet that's what Moab was. These people were all inbred products of incest. A whole country. That's that's unimaginable. It's unimaginable to name your child as a mother. Name your child son of my father. My goodness, there must have been a lot of sin abounding in that day. Not much different than today, though. Amen. And so the people of Moab, even God said in his word, 
Moab is my washpot. That's Psalm 60, verse number 8. Israel is my place of blessing. Israel is my promised land. Israel is my people, but Moab is my washpot. Tragedy number one is a famine in the land of Israel because of their sin. Tragedy number two is the fact that they move from the land of Israel. Tragedy number three is that they wind up in Moab. And tragedy number four strikes, Naomi loses Elimelech. Wow. Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. For a space of ten years they're there. But while they're there, uh, Malon and Chilion find themselves wise, Ruth and Orpah. And boy, Naomi's comforted a little bit. I mean, she's lost her husband. She's had to move from her country. But she finds some respite, just a brief respite. Her family's growing. Her sons have taken wives. And boy, she's comforted just a little bit. But tragedy number five and number six is soon to strike again because Malon dies, and shortly thereafter, Chilion dies. Six tragedies this poor dear woman has had to face. Boom, 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 boom. And when you look at the national average in America, ladies, I'm preaching to you, the national average is that there are five to six more times widows than widowers. I mean, the fact is that men are going to die early. Sobering fact, is it not? (laughs) Will y'all pardon me while I be a little humorous here? (laughs) You know why there are more widows than widowers? Because men do dumb things. Men do dumb things. Thank you. I was hoping a woman would say that. You ever hear a woman say this? Let's put that 454 over there in that Dodge Charger, and I bet we can do 145 on the interstate. You'll never hear a woman say that. Men do dumb things. Now, there's a point here. Y'all put up with my humor because I'm going to make a real valid point at the end of this. You ever hear a woman say this? You boys sit on the front of that tractor so we can go up that steep Childers Hill and mow that little jag of hay on top. You'll never hear a woman say that. She's in the kitchen washing dishes looking out the window going, them idiots are going to kill theirself. Yeah. Yeah, it was me on a snowboard behind a 10-foot rope and Lisa on the four-wheeler when I broke my neck. She wasn't dumb enough to do what I did. Amen. And then, when we're done, guys, when we're done with all that stupid stuff we do, we say, hey, let's go to the dip dog get us a greasy cheeseburger. <laughs> the reason Chilion died was because he ate Chilion on his dip dogs. I'm telling you guys. And you know, the funny thing is the demographics are not going to change in the foreseeable future. Did you ever hear a woman look at her friend and say, hey, Mary, Peggy, y'all got a dip of skull? 
Amen. No wonder the national average is six times higher. Huh. I mean, the girls are over there. While we're wolfing down greasy steaks and beverages, Dr. Enough's, I bought two cases of Dr. Enough's yesterday. They're eating salads, chicken salad with ranch dressing and water. <laughs> Men do dumb things. I digress. Back to the biblical narrative. Let's get a little serious back again. So Elimelech died doing 145 on the interstate. Malon died in a farming accident. And Chilion died of cardiac arrest. But nevertheless, the sad part is they're gone. We got three widows. Three. And Jeremiah starts out his lamentations as, oh, Israel is like a widow. And he begins to weep. Hey, listen. It's not fun being a widow. Amen. Some of you ladies, if, if I were to have you to stand, it would be unreal at the people in this very room that we'd, if I'd have the widowers to stand and then the widows to stand. It would be more than six times. And so what I'm preaching this morning, ladies, is these three widows are going to have three different attitudes toward God, toward society, and toward their circumstance. So let's go back to the biblical narrative here. The situation begins to change for the better for these three widows. And Ruth and Naomi and, and Orpah, they hear some good news that there's bread again in Israel, that God is blessing his people. And boy, they all, all three of them say, oh boy, let's get out of Moab with all these incestuous people. This DNA is all messed up down here. Let's get back to the promised land. Boy, that's a blessing. Amen. That when God comes by and God's blessing again, and they heard some good news from a far country. The Bible says that good news from a far country is like water to a thirsty soul. Hey, friend, there's bread available in the promised land. There's the blessing of God in the promised land. My job this morning is to bring you some good news from a far country. Praise God. You can be saved. You can serve God. You can get out of Moab. You can enjoy the blessings of God despite your circumstance. Amen. What a blessing. There's hope in the Lord. There's sunnier days ahead. Hey, maybe your circumstance has turned sour. Maybe life has turned bitter. Maybe your situation is less than desirable. But hey, friend, you can turn to Jesus Christ and bask your soul in the very blessings of God this morning. Praise God. There's hope in the Lord. Amen. Heaven has a drive through and praise God you won't die of the grease there. Amen. Yes, sir. Tragedies have struck over and over. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the bread from heaven. And you won't have cardiac problems if you'll eat that bread. Amen. Matter of fact, he'll cure your heart. He'll heal your heart. He'll forgive your sin. He's not a dark cloud. He's the light of the world. Praise God. <laughs> but listen, the Lord won't always keep us from the tough things of life. He won't. 
There's false preaching today. Many Christians are losing hope and in despair because they believe the false prosperity gospel, thinking they never have to suffer or go through trials. Friend, the Bible is full of trials. But the Bible is full of the hope of God that he will sustain us in the trial. And he will bring us through the disappointment. He'll be with us in the discouragements of life. Let me say to you ladies this morning, if you find yourself in the land of Moab, get out. Praise God. If you find yourself in that situation where you're widowed or you've lost your loved ones or things are turning sour, get out of the land of Moab and turn your face toward the land of Israel. There's still a God in heaven who loves you. Praise God. Now they've heard some good news. Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah head back. Three different women, three different attitudes. And God said this to me, Naomi is bitter. Orpah is backwards. But Ruth is a blessing. I want to look at those three different attitudes quickly as we finish the message here as quickly as we can. Three different attitudes, one set of circumstances. Three different inputs, three different outcomes in the same set of circumstances. First, let's look at Naomi. The Bible says she even admits it herself in verse 20. She says, I am a bitter woman. Oh my. Ladies, I love you. I've proven over and over I love you, but I'm going to make a statement. There's nothing worse than a bitter woman. Nothing worse than a bitter woman. If you'll read the last part of the verses that, like we read, she's bitter and she's blaming God for her bitterness. It's not God's fault. The reason I got humorous was those guys probably didn't die because of God's stupidity. She didn't lose her husband and her two son-in-laws because God sinned. Let that sink in. She faced all this tragedy because sin had entered into the world. And the Bible says because of sin, we must face death. Because of sin, we must face sorrow. Because of sin, we're all going to go through these testing times. And there are a lot of bitter people today blaming God. This woman was bitter and backslidden. And listen, all she could see was negative things. All she could make was negative comments. All she could be was cynical. All she could make was disparaging comments, angry, hopeless. Can I tell you something? If you were around Naomi in chapter 1, she would bring you down. The Almighty's dealt so bitterly with me. Call me not Naomi. The name Naomi means pleasant, but the name Myra means bitter. And she said, call me not Naomi, but call me Myra, because the Lord hath dealt very bitterly with me. Naomi, you're blaming God wrongly. And we're all guilty of that, male and female as well. Somebody say amen. Amen. We need to realize that 
Naomi here is in a bitter circumstance and she wants to bring everybody else down. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're going to meet people in life who think their whole job in life is to bring you down. They are discouraged. They are bitter at life. They're bitter at God. They're bitter at people. And they hate your joy. They will kill your joy any way they possibly can. So let's see what Naomi does. She's developed. She says, call me not Naomi, but call me Myra. You know what? She's developed an attitude. And they're heading back to the promised land. And Naomi here is trying to convince and dissuade her daughter-in-laws not to go back. Let me tell you something. That is huge in chapter 1 because if you got saved in the Old Testament, you basically had to go back to the land of Israel, worship in the temple, believe the Bible, and get under a blood sacrifice. That's how you got saved. You know how you get saved in the New Testament? You do the same thing. You come to church, you hear about the cross of Calvary, you get under the blood of Jesus Christ, and you believe the Bible. That's salvation. There is no salvation in any other. It's not in the world. It's not in Moab. By the way, back there in Moab, there's no temple. There's no sacrifice. The word of God is not there. Hey, don't go back to Moab. But Naomi is saying, girls, go back, go back, go back. Let me tell you something about a bitter, backslidden, belligerent woman. She'll stop people from coming to the cross. Jesus said this, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven, and neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye that are the entering therein to go in themselves. A bitter woman is a stumbling block and a hindrance to people getting saved. Amen. I don't know about you, but that bothers me when I think I've been a stumbling block. When I look at my life and I see my failures and I say, Lord, I failed here and I failed there. And I think I was a hindrance here and I shouldn't have said that. And I was, hey, it bothers me to be a stumbling block. You know what Naomi should have said? Instead of saying, girls, go back to Moab. Go, what did she say? Go back to Moab. Go back to your gods. Go back to your family. Go back to your sin. Go back down there where they've got cross eyes and buck teeth. They're incestuals. They're, they're, they're products of that. Listen, you know what Naomi should have said? Girls, we're headed to the promised land. There's bread back there. There's a new judge in place. The leadership is better. There's blessings of God. Hey, we're going to go back. We're going to get under the blood. We're going to get in the word of God. We're going to live for God. We're going to get in the will of God. Let's go, girls. Let's go with bells on. That's what she should have said. But no, not Naomi. She was bitter. She was discouraging. She focused on herself. She said, even if I had more sons, she's never focusing on God here. She's focusing on herself. Even if I had more sons, would you wait on them to be grown, to marry them? No, you wouldn't do that. Go back, go back, go back. <laughs> she tried twice to prevent the girls from going back to the promised land. And she does prevent one. Let's look at the second woman quickly. Second, the first woman is Naomi. She's bitter. The second woman is Orpah. She's backwards. And Orpah first says, no, Naomi, I'm going back with you. I'm going, to, I'm going back to Israel. 
I'm going back to the blessings of God. And then after the second discouragement, Orpah says, nah, you know what, I, I think I'll go back. I think I'll go back down there. I think I'll return back to the land of my nativity. Somehow it seemed better back there than it did going with this old bitter woman to the promised land. Naomi, or Orpah, goes back to her old lifestyle, back to her old sin. Even, even Naomi said, go back to your gods. Well, there was no salvation in the gods of Moab. Oh, my. And Orpah could have gone to the promised land. She had an opportunity to be God's fresh water spout, but she chose to go back to God's wash pot. <laughs> Can I make it an analogy here, a spiritual analogy? Orpah's in hell because she went back. Orpah's in hell because Naomi was bitter and said, go back. Let me tell you something. There's nothing back there, friend. Amen. I can't help but preach a little bit right here. There's nothing out there in the world worth going to hell over. Listen to me. There's nothing out there in this world. I don't care if it's money or finances or popularity. There's nothing in this world to go back to to watch yourself and your family go to hell over. And our country is going to hell in a handbasket because we're living in Moab like a bunch of incestual related people and we're not looking to the promised land. We're not looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not following the word of God and saying there's blessings in God's way. Let's get out of the land of Moab. Hope is in hell. We never read of her name again in the word of God, not Ever again will we read the name Orpah. But we read the name Ruth over and over and over. We never name our children Orpah. But we name our children Ruth. Amen. We never hear Orpah's name again. But there's one last woman in this story. And this is where I want to finish the message. Because it's been pretty tragic until now. Her name is Ruth. Ruth is not backslidden. Ruth is not bitter. Ruth is not backwards. She's a blessing. Amen. Oh, let me tell you, I said this. There's nothing worse than a bitter old woman, but there's nothing worse than a blessed woman. Amen. Amen. I mean, nothing better. I'm sorry. <laughs> I caught myself, didn't I? Nothing better. Hey, I'm telling you, there is nothing more encouraging than a good wife. There's nothing more encouraging than a mother who, who knows what she believes. And she'll teach you and love you. And I like what Brian said, love you unconditionally. There's nothing more blessed than a blessed woman. Hey, I'll take a blessed woman over the president any day. Praise God. I don't care who he is. Men's made a mess of this world, ladies. Men do stupid things, remember? Thank you. I finally got an amen from a woman. Let me say, y'all going to go home and say, what did the preacher preach on for Mother's Day? Well, men do stupid things. <laughs> yeah. I never saw a woman cause us to have war. Have you? You ever seen a woman put on a helmet and shoulder pads and go out there and try to kill 22 other people? Me neither. Point closed. Before I digress. 
Ruth was a blessing. Ruth, now don't, I'm closing ladies, please get this. Ruth did not allow death to make her bitter. She loved her husband. She loved her father-in-law. She loved her family. But she wouldn't be bitter because, I'm going to tell you something, the worst thing to make you bitter, church, is death. You'll question God. You'll blame God. Hey, don't get bitter. Get better. And Ruth wouldn't allow dearth. Hunger didn't stop her. Not even a backslidden mother-in-law could keep her out of church. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen preacher. She is heading back. <laughs> verse 15. Look, look at verse 15 again. Chapter number 1. And she said, Behold, this is Naomi speaking. Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back into her people and unto her gods. Return thou after us, thy sister-in-law. This is the third time she said this. And Ruth said some of the prettiest words that's ever been written in the Bible. Let's read them because they're beautiful. And Ruth said, verse number 16, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And thy God, praise God, my my God, where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Amen. That's a blessing, girls. And the Bible says when Naomi looked and saw that Ruth, the next verse was steadfastly minded to go with her. She said, well, let's go, praise God, let's go on. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you how to handle a bitter person. Keep moving on. Don't let them slow you down. Don't let them put you there all like a bunch of crabs in a cage just reaching up to grab you down. Hey, just go right on and leave that bitter. Hey, say, praise God, I'm heading on. You ain't going to discourage me. Amen. Amen. So they go on. And so Ruth here says, I believe I'll just go with you. Now let me tell you something about Ruth. Let me tell you why she was blessed. Orpah saw the bad. I got to stay over here. Orpah saw the bad in everything. I mean, she saw how Ruth was backslidden. She saw, I mean, she saw how Naomi was backslidden and how Naomi was, was, was bitter. And Orpah said, I, I don't want a part of that. But somehow, Ruth picked up on the fact that Naomi's God was a blessing. Let me just stop right there and tell you something about my God. It's a blessing to know Him. It's a blessing to know that I'm saved. It's a blessing to know that regardless whatever goes on in this world, I have a Savior who loves me, who will protect me, and who will provide for me. Amen. That's a blessing. That's the God I want to introduce you to. That's the God I want you to trust in. And, and Ruth here says, I believe I'll just go with you. I believe your God is right. I believe your God is holy. I believe your God wants to bless us. And whatever you say, you're not going to dissuade me. I'm going back with you. I don't understand. Can I just, tonight, as we close the message, Lord, i got to close. I don't understand some things in this world. Ruth didn't understand. Naomi completely misinterpreted her situation. 
And so often we misinterpret our, our situation and all they had to do was trust God. Do you realize this morning as I give the invitation that all you need to do is trust God? You don't understand everything. I can't explain everything. I don't know why bitter circumstances come. I don't know why divorce happens. I don't know why death happens. I don't know why children get cancer. Oh, I think a little Maggie with leukemia battling a child. I don't understand those things. I never will understand them. But God in his throne and in his providence and in his sovereignty is saying to you and I, trust me. Don't trust your own judgment. Don't trust your own wisdom. Don't trust your own thinking. My way is as high as the heavens above your way. Trust me. You know what salvation is? Salvation is you and I getting rid of ourselves, getting rid of our way and say, hey, I think I'll go God's way. His, right, his way is right when I don't understand. His way is right in the tough circumstances. His way is right when nothing's going right down here. God's way is right and God is thundering from the heavens this morning. Trust me, dear mother. Amen. I like what Ruth said. I'll go with you. The Bible says one of my favorite verses is trust. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I don't understand why man fell in the garden. I don't understand why we live in a sin-cursed world. I don't understand why disobedience and rejection of Christ will put a person in hell for all of eternity. I don't understand that sometimes, but it's true. And let me tell you something. God has done everything He could to keep all of us out of hell. Somebody said this, and it's so true. God does not put anybody in hell. He simply honors their choice. You and I, listen, Ruth made a choice, one choice, one decision in the life of Ruth, and it turned her whole life around. It, boy, what a blessing it was when Ruth made that decision for Jesus Christ. Ruth made that decision for God. Ruth made that decision despite of everything that had gone on, the death, the discouragement, the bitterment, the bitterness, the, all the basic things that happened to her. She made that decision. Let me tell you how it turned her life around quickly. Read the other three chapters. Took us three and a half minutes to read chapter one. You can read the rest of the chapters in ten minutes. She goes back to the land of Israel. Here's Ruth just being a blessing. And she begins to glean the corners of the field. And that, in that day when they took care of the poor, the, the, the men would go in and reap the fields, but they would leave the corners. And the women would come in and reap the corners of the field. That was how they took care of the poor. And Ruth began to reap the corners. And a man in Israel noticed her. her his name was Boaz. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer, and Boaz was wealthy. And Boaz fell in love with Ruth. Let me tell you something about, there's another man who's your kinsman redeemer. His name is Jesus Christ. And he looked down at his creation and he says, I love them. And I love them so much that I'll purchase them. I'll buy them back. I'll go be their redeemer. I'll die on a cross and praise God. I'll provide salvation for all who will come. 
Praise God. And so Boaz looks at Ruth and he redeems her. He marries her. And guess what you know? The next thing, Ruth is a mother. Not just an average mother. She is the, grand, the great grandmother of David, king of Israel. The great grandmother. Obed was her son. Jesse and then David. This woman, now don't you miss this, ladies. This woman from a bad part of town, this woman who had worshipped other gods, this woman who had gone through all these bitter circumstances, through all this trouble, she was so steadfast to go back to the God of Israel that the God of Israel just kicked her out a whole bucket of blessings. The decision she made was a lifetime decision and it affected me and you today because the son of King David, 14 generations later, was Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Now you understand the connotation here, ladies. She, or, uh, Ruth was a Gentile. She was an alien from the commonwealth of Israel and a stranger to the covenant of promise. She was called, looked down on by the Jews as a Gentile dog. She had about zero chance of getting in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But you know what got her there? Faith. Amen. Trust. And the ability to keep those bitter circumstances at bay by keeping her eyes on God. 